<laughs> if you are somehow new to this podcast feed, uh, then you are likely unaware of my rampant obsession with World of Warcraft and the absolute joy it brings me when there is a new expansion around the corner. Not least because that's when Blizzard starts putting out a whole bunch of narrative stuff. Some of the best of which is their animated shorts which they've been doing since the Warlords of Draenor days. Um, you know, not a strong start but we'll take what we can get. And this time round we're getting four lovely animatic baloney things. Um, which are about the different covenants and the characters within and the storylines we'll be seeing throughout Shadowlands. And as someone who hasn't watched any any beta content and doesn't really know where the stories of the zones or indeed the entire expansion is even going, I'm very excited indeed. So you can bet your ass that I'm going to be going through this thing shot by shot, uh, talking about what I like, uh, what's exciting, what to think about, and if you haven't already watched it, it's free on YouTube, and dare I say, even if you don't uh, enjoy World of Warcraft, uh, I think you'll probably get something out of it. Um, if you don't, I'm sorry, I refund you your six minutes, you will get them back at the end of your life. You might want to stop listening to this particular thoughts on there in that case, just saying. We start with the killing of Uther by Arthas, which is a storyline which first occurred in Warcraft 3. Something I've never played, but the story of which I'm intimately familiar with. When I say intimately, it's not like a sex of it or anything. And much like in the Sylvanas Warbringer cinematic, we see Arthas, uh, he doesn't really say anything. He doesn't really need to because we already know. We already know his story, and I think that's something that uh, really shone throughout the cinematic is the focus is clearly on Uther, even though there is some important Arthas-related lore which has a lot of ramifications, possible ramifications, going forwards. But no, we're focusing on Uther, and we see him here, uh, ragged, drawing his last breaths, uh, about to get shanked. <laughs> by the, the big old sword that is Frostmourne. And by the way, I fucking love how Arthas is drawn in this scene. He just looks so, like, malevolent. The yellow light as well, and I may be reaching here, but I think it really symbolises uh, the golden-haired uh, boy he used to be, the golden-haired prince that everyone loved, and then also, possibly, uh, the forecoming of Bastion as to uh, where Uther's gonna go, because it's got some fairly yellow tones in there, it's like a blue and yellow kind of a place. And it's also dusk, and you know, dusk, the dusk of life. The idea that the last thing that Uther sees is the runes against the darkness is a pretty nice touch. And then I just want to draw your attention to the music that plays as we're approaching Bastion, it's really nice, it swells in a really nice way of like this is what happens after death you're here you're seeing it this is one of life's great mysteries and here it is i have a question here which will be answered when i uh actually play the game i suppose but uh ufa looks like he's already bluefer at this point which is the affectionately uh nick the affectionate nickname the fans have given him for when he's a kyrian uh but i don't know if when he's an aspirant he already has blue skin or if that's just the lighting the general lighting of bastion reflecting off of his skin i don't know not a very important detail but it's just something i wonder every time i watch this which is a few times by the way at this point i love how the first thing ufa says when he learns where he is is i serve the light um, I think that's going to be a really important plot point moving forwards of you don't get to choose which afterlife you go to, the Arbiter chooses that for you, um, and it's not necessarily the afterlife you're after, especially the fact that every afterlife we see in Shadowlands is one of service, um, at least as far as I'm aware, there's not like 
a peaceful afterlife where you can just exist and maybe there are those maybe they do exist and maybe because blizzard have said these are just four realms of an infinite afterlife uh, infinite shadowlands if you will and I assume maybe those realms might be out there, but at least as far as these characters are concerned, you don't even get to rest when you're dead, which is kind of fucking morbid. But also, at least up until now, the light has been um, toted as this almost afterlife ideal, the traditional heaven we see in fantasy literature and the Bible and all that kind of shit. Um, and it certainly has religious connotations in WoW. And with spirit healers and stuff, that's always stuff through like priest spells, uh, which use the light. So it does bring up a lot of questions of what kind of connection Kyrians have to the light, if any, given that we now know that they are the spirit healers and all this kind of stuff. I have a feeling that we're going to see the light vilified more and more this expansion. It's not something that's going to be a paragon of truth and virtue. Um, it's definitely going to be something that, like with all things, requires balance. It can't just be pure light. And this might be a hint at that future story. The conversation between Uther and Devos is interesting when she says uh, there is no evil here. All evil was sealed in the war long ago. And then Uther says you're wrong. He's talking about Arthas, but at the same time... Like, you have to wonder what the semantics of this conversation are. Is she implying that there's no evil even left in the lands of the living because of what happened with Fomor? And Ufa's saying you're wrong about that? Or is Ufa just so completely out of it that he's saying, no, you're wrong, this evil transcends all fucking realities? And I don't know. I thought that dialogue was maybe a little bit weird. Um, but again, it might be important. One of the, uh, I think the head law dude in blizzard came out and said the devil's in the details so it's worth looking at stuff like this you are an aspirant now you must accept your new purpose zero vibes like what if he doesn't fucking want to accept his new purpose the Kyrians will forge you a new one and then you've got this beautiful thread which runs throughout the entire short where if it's like no not vengeance justice this isn't vengeance, this is justice, and that's going to be super important for his character moving on, you just know it. Because paladins aren't about vengeance, they're about retribution and justice and stuff, but then like, what's the line? Like, what's the line you walk between the two? And I think as we'll see towards the end of his short, he does end up crossing that line. But we'll get to that part soon. When Devos is talking to the helmeted dude and he's like, why are you bothering with this guy? She's like, oh no, like, he's he's so obsessed over the injustice of his own death. And the reply she gets is, why does that concern you? Some aspirants take eons to ascend. That's kind of fucked up, isn't it? That's basically them saying it doesn't matter if they want to be here or not, whether they want to serve the purpose or not. Eventually, over time, they'll get fucking worn down by the fact that there's nothing else to do and serve the cause. That's so dark. I love that Blizzard are taking this stance of there can be no perfect heaven. Bastion definitely wants to be this perfect heaven, but you know it ain't. It's part of the entire reason why I love uh, the idea of afterlives in fiction in the first place. Because there's so many fucking questions about, like, if there was a heaven, how would it even be possible? Like, how could innate human conflict not take place in heaven especially when you have people like if they die and they all like fucking belong in heaven by whatever fucking divine decree that judges that shit um and if they all end up in heaven but they have like beef with each other like wait a minute hang on a second we were married when i died but now you love someone else hang on a second this isn't heaven because now someone's upset uh <laughs> it can't be perfect then can it and i love that um afterlife fiction often like goes into this like well yeah 
it's a little bit absurd, and here's why. In this case, for instance, if you die, and you see your whole city raised to the ground, and you get killed by a student who you formerly loved, and all this kind of stuff, you're not going to pop up in heaven and go, oh good, I'm in heaven now, I'm fine. <laughs> No, you're going to be fucking upset, and that's not going to be heaven then, is it? Oh, and the whole idea of being careful with what you say, because the Archon won't like you questioning the path. Oh, that's so dystopian, I love it. I'm just waiting for Maldraxxus to end up being the one where everything's rosy and perfect and everyone's happy. <laughs> It'll be like a flip. While I'm rambling here about afterlife, it's also worth mentioning that this is a very Greek afterlife, uh, the Kyrian Covenant of Bastion. Um, and the Greeks uh, are very much an imperfect kind of a thing. They're titans, they're gods. I'm only reading up on it now, so I'm still fairly inexperienced on the whole thing, but they are very imperfect. They all have these conflicts and they kill each other. They eat each other's babies. So yeah, I think that's also worth mentioning. Okay, so the whole idea of Uther's soul being wounded because he was killed by Frostmorn, which stole a fragment of his soul, is so interesting and it raises so many questions that I've always had about the Warcraft universe, mainly about undead. Like, if you raise an undead, do they remember, like, did they go to the afterlife and come back? Was their soul just in waiting and they take it back before it can be, like, is there a time limit on raising an undead? Because it doesn't seem that way by the Death Knight Order Hall because you raise people who have been dead for decades in that, uh, I think. And it's like, so wait, so they never made it? To, to like the afterlife but then how do their souls know to wait to be raised or do they get raised and they don't remember their life in the afterlife but then surely people in those afterlives would know that souls are being stolen because their friends are just disappearing and then getting put back into their bodies with no memory of being in the afterlife you know it's like it's a whole fucking plethora of questions and as we see uh, when Ufa it flashes back to Ufa's actual death you see his soul get ripped in half, and a blue portion of his soul goes into Frostmourne, which makes sense because we see him talk through Frostmourne in Wrath of the Lich King. Um, and then a golden portion of his soul gets split off and goes into Bastion. And you have to wonder, um, firstly, that does feel like a slightly clunky retcon right now because we don't know the details of like, well shit, we can't have Uther in Bastion when we had him talking in Wrath of the Lich King. But also, more importantly, it brings up so many questions about, like, wait, which portion of his soul was taken and which portion went and what decides that? Like, was, like, the vengeful portion of his soul the one that went to the afterlife? Like, it's so weird. Also, huge credit to Uther's voice actor here. I don't know his name off the top of my head, sadly. I think it's, like, something McConaughey, but, like, obviously not the obvious actor. Um, but, like... I, is, is it Michael McConaughey or something? It's something like that. Um, but yeah, when he says he was my student, like he sounds so like, you can just hear that like, yeah, his soul is wounded, not just physically, but fucking, you know, soulfully as well. Like to be like the manner of his death is so fucking traumatic and horrifying. And how would you feel about that? And to have to act that is crazy. And also his wailing scream uh, when it cuts back to his death. <sighs> A fucking plus job. It's slightly frustrating how the Archon and all those people in that hall of Kyrians just kind of immediately, you know, say, ah, oh, no, Devis, you're crazy. Why don't you fucking bring Ufa and be like, hey, here's what I saw, why don't you see it too? Uh, I'm hoping it's for some kind of actual plot reason, but I feel like the reason is just because it would break the plot. <laughs> but no narrative is perfect, and I'm absolutely nitpicking there. By the way, Bastion's meant to be a covenant you're allowed to join, right? These are kind of looking like bad guys. Do we really want to be joining these guys? 
because at the moment I'm on the side of the rebel angels, just saying. Ufa's ascension was much quicker than I thought it would be. <laughs> I thought it would be like a whole process, but no, she just gives him a little wing hug and he develops his own wings and armor and stuff like that and he becomes bluefer. Um, yeah, that was kind of cool to see. I liked how it was very subtle, but the grey parts of his hair turned bright white. And then obviously his eyes turned white too. Which, you know, what do blind people look like? Well, mm, you know, yeah. Symbolism. Just saying. Also, I just realised Devos's eyes are blue. What's the difference there? Is it Maybe it was just lighting, I don't know. Could be important though, like in Night Elf Society, if you have amber eyes, you're supposed to be destined for good shit. Unless uh, you are actually destined to get your eyes poked out and replaced with fell because Illidan's an edgy boy. Anyway, the hard cut back to Arthas's death was, oh, it was like a punch in the gut. It was so well done. Just like how they revisited Ufa's death, they revisited Arthas's death and they used the song and everything. Ugh. I think it's fairly important that they make him out to be a pitiful figure in this cinematic, which I think he kind of was in the actual in-game cinematic as well when he died, um, which is kind of hard to tell amidst all the polygons, <laughs> because that's aged quite badly. Um, but yeah, it was really nice to have like a modern version of that cinematic, I guess, with the art form and everything. And I really like how they make Arthas look. It's like such a stark contrast to earlier where he's killing Ufa. You can see he's like more like his old self as he's dying and... Something about the stubble on the chin I find really endearing as well. Like it still makes him seem so young, despite everything. But either way, one slight nitpick I do have about his death is he says, I see only darkness before me, as he sees uh, the Kyrians come down to him from like this beaming light behind them. That's not darkness, that's light, but I guess you could make an argument that to Arthas, that is darkness, because maybe he recognises Ufa as one of those angels, um, and maybe he sees he's so twisted that he sees the light as darkness, like all that kind of stuff. It's not the light as in like capital L, but just as in like brightness. Um, maybe he sees like angels coming down to pick him up as like darkness. Or that's just the perspective of like where he's lying and where he's dying, but what he really sees is the next shot, which is the more uh, and he obviously has some knowledge of the Shadowlands having been the Lich King, so maybe because he knows that's where he's going, that's what he means by I see only darkness before me, I know that I'm going to the fucking moor, oh no. Okay, so one detail, which is I think extremely important, is what doesn't get shown, and that's the Arbiter, because they say that hey, when Arthas dies, we will claim him, and all souls are supposed to go through the Arbiter, for judgment in the Shadowlands to go to whichever afterlife that they are bound for. And some of the worst souls gets it to Revendreth, not for eternal punishment, but for like rehabilitation to see the error of their ways. Um, I won't spoil anything, but I do know that we see some previous villains there um, who you would, you might think would have just gone straight to hell, but no, they're there instead. Um, and it's because uh, in the Warcraft, in the eyes of the Warcraft universe, at least, they're seen as redeemable. Um, and before much was known about Shadowlands, but we did know about the Arbiter, people were speculating like, so would Arthas would be in the Moor, right? Or like, was he redeemable? How much of his actions uh, were because of like Frostmourne and the Helm of Domination? How much in control was he? It's actually an argument that's always been around Arthas, is how much of this was Arthas and how much of it was the Lich King like Ner'zhul in the Helm of Domination like making him do this shit or like kind of guiding him to do this shit. Um, people pick that apart so much and I think it's so important 
that we don't get a definitive answer from the Arbiter, who would be exactly the character we want to really put that question to rest. Um, we don't get that answer because Ufa crosses the line between justice and vengeance and takes that upon himself and casts Arthas into the moor. That's a proper casting he does. He casts him into the moor. Um, and even Devos sees it for what it is. She says, you know, have your vengeance. Uh, but Ufa, I think it's important uh, as well to note, is kind of in denial. He says, not vengeance. Justice. And then he fucking casts Arthas into the moor. But I like the moment of hesitation beforehand as well, where he's looking into Arthas's face like the, the... He still looks kind of young with the stubble, as I mentioned earlier. And you can see it break Ufa's heart like he was my student. Um, and he's looking at him and stuff, but he still makes the decision to throw him into the moor, into hell. He, he still says he's irredeemable. He still takes... Uh, the actions of the Arbiter upon himself to judge Arthas as irredeemable. And we don't know, there might be some story that's cut out where they do, where he does go through the Arbiter and they pick him up after the judging and they're the ones who take him to the mall. but I don't think so. I think it's far more interesting if we don't get that. And a lot of people are taking this to mean that we're going to have a lot of Arthas story in Shadowlands, but I think it's worth remembering uh, that the head of law, Steve Denuza, said that they want to use Arthas sparingly, uh, because his story has already been told. Um, so yeah, we don't know if we're going to be like maybe taking Arthas back to uh, the Arbiter to actually get judged properly, or we might just not see him at all. I have a sneaking suspicion that the whole reason that Arthas has bypassed the Arbiter um, is for Ufa's storyline, uh, for his motivation, for what he's done, for the possible vilifying of Ufa, um, but also so that Blizzard don't have to necessarily take a stance on whether Arthas is redeemable or not because it's such an interesting debate um, and I think to have a solid answer to that question would take away a lot of what makes Arthas interesting as a character to give him to this like absolute sale like be all and end all character who determines whether his action whether he's redeemable or not that's boring that you don't want that that's like yeah that's like you know how people always talk about how fantasy worlds are always more interesting when there's mystery? That's like the character version of that. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that's a very clever way that Blizzard handled that situation. Also just watching it through again, watching Ufa say he was my student. When he said he was my, you can see the expression on his face is one of like anger. And then ever so subtly, the next frame of animation is his eyes narrow like a millimeter. And just with that tiny, tiny nuance, his face turns from anger to, like, sorrow or, like, pity. And that is absolutely fascinating to think about, not just from an animation standpoint, but just from, like, how we as humans are with our facial expressions. The smallest nuances can portray a complete, or not complete, but, like, a subtle shift, a subtle but very important shift in emotion. And the fact that Blizzard's animators captured that is so impressive. But yes, I'm very excited to see the ramifications of these actions. Maybe not necessarily in what it means for Arthas, because again, I think we're not necessarily going down that road. But I think uh, more for what it means for these characters going forward, for what it means for the Kyrians and the state of Bastion when we get there, and if it has anything to do with the machine of death being broken and all of that malarkey. Um, I'm looking forward to playing through Bastion a lot. I think it's one of the zones I'm most excited for in Shadowlands. 
So yeah, thank you for joining me as I went on a 20-minute ramble about a 7-minute animation. I told you I like World of Warcraft and I have a lot to say about it. Um, I might not have quite as much to say about the next three because I will be doing these weekly as they come out. Um, just because I think this, this one uses pre-established characters that have a lot of baggage and the next three don't necessarily. I know um, uh, Draka is in the Maldraxxus one, uh, but I, I don't think there's going to be as much to say about her character motivations and stuff. It's more going to be about Maldraxxus and what's going on there, even though it's awesome that we're getting some more Draka. So yeah, uh, <laughs> the next episodes might not be 20 minutes long. But either way, if you did stick around and listen to me ramble, thank you so much. I hope you got something out of it. I definitely did. Uh, and I will see you in the next thoughts on whether it be a World of Warcraft thing or something else entirely. Oh right, yeah, the bloopers. Bloop. We start with Ufa getting uh, Ruffle stomped. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. Bloop. And I think as we'll see towards the end of this uh, short, uh, I don't know why I keep blanking on the word short. Bloop. Uvis, uh, <laughs> Jesus, what was that? Bloop. Okay, now we're done. Go press pause on your device before it plays something else, if you want to, or not. Who am I to say?